scripture lesson today comes from the good news, uh, the gospel, according to John. Uh, Let's share in God's good word together. Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you know me, you will know my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. You may be seated. God. Who needs God? We are in our third week of four weeks of this series, Who Needs God? Uh, We borrowed uh, much of the content from Andy Stanley uh, over at North Point. Uh, He did this series a number of years ago, um, and we felt like it was a good time for us to look as a country, as a community, uh, at ourselves, at our own lives, with all the changes in the world, do we still need God? Do you need God? Uh, Next week, we'll look um, at at really who needs God, and the answer, of course, is uh, I do, Uh, you do, we all do, Uh, we really do, but we want to wrestle with the very real questions that people have about this issue, who needs God, and before we can actually answer the question, who needs God, we have to first answer the question, well, who is God, who is God, who is God really, and and what I've been trying to submit to you over the last number of weeks is many of the folks Um, who have wrestled with faith, which is all of us at some level, and some folks actually deconverting and stepping away from the the faith, largely is about a misunderstanding of who God is. It's not about the God of Jesus. When I talk to people, they like Jesus, but they don't like the church. And they have struggles with institutional religion or institutions in general. But when you get down to the heart of it, um, you know, you can say something like, well, is it, is it the washing of feet that you just can't do? And they're like, well, well no, that's uncomfortable, but that's, that's not what's bothering me. Is it Jesus' love for everyone that bothers you? Well, no, it's not really that. Well, then what is it? Um, and what we find is that it's any number of things. So as a way of introduction, I invite you to take your sermon notes out. And I want you to understand that the, the goal of this series is to place the rungs of the faith ladder as low as possible so anyone, that's your blank there, anyone can start following Jesus. Because that's the goal of the church, isn't it? That we follow Jesus. That all people are welcome. That that's really the goal of our church. To help non-religious folks or folks that aren't active in their Christian faith to become radical Christ followers. To follow him. That's what we're about. And so doesn't it make sense that as an entry point we would try to have those, those rungs of that ladder as low as possible. That we're a place where you can ask your questions and have your doubts. And then grow up the ladder to mature in Christ. It's not that we just stay there. We actually grow up that ladder together and we invite others on that journey and so for people who have stepped away from the faith why is that if it's not actually about the person of jesus what is it that they're stepping away from 
And for many of my friends, uh, some who are still away and some who have come back, um, they stepped away because of pain, of real pain in their life or disappointment. God didn't do what they thought God should do. Uh, They had a loved one who was sick and they didn't get better. They died. They had a job that they desperately needed to feed their family and they did not get it. And if we're not careful, we will just simply throw God in, in the category of everything we don't know or doesn't go our way. Uh, and I would just ask us as thinking people to, to think about if somebody did that to you, how fair or unfair that might be. If everything that didn't happen the way they wanted it to was your fault. Everybody who's married, give me an amen. Right? I mean, you know what that feels like. Um, you, you're, you're doing your best you can. You, you love, but sometimes things don't go the way of the people that you love. And sometimes um, there's just nothing you can do about that. It is the way of the world. Now, that gets more problematic when we're dealing with God, isn't it? Because God can do anything. God is all loving, all kind, and yet there's still problems in the world. There's pain. We're going to get to that in just a second. Other folks have stepped away because of something they read in the Bible. Um, We talked a lot about this last week. Uh, There are now, it used to be that a lot of this happened in college. I I see this all the time. People are like, well, you know, I kind of grew up in the church, and then I went to college, um, and then I didn't have to go to church, and so I didn't. Um, before I knew it, I, I hadn't gone in a long time. Uh, and then I got married, and I figured out I didn't know as much as I thought I did. And then we had children, and I really figured out I didn't know as much as I thought I did. And my children started asking us questions that we didn't have answers to. So we found our way back in the church. That's a very common story. But sometimes, as we're doing this, we read something in the Bible. Um, and, it, and it conflicts with something that we've read in philosophy class or in science class. And then we can feel stuck at times. And so uh, I just, again, want to submit to you that if you're not completely 100% convinced that the entire world flooded at the time of Noah, you can still follow Jesus. I I think it's it's equally valid that if only the entire quarter of the Mesopotamian area flooded, which was the known world to those people, that's sufficient. Their experience of God and God's salvation is the same whether or not Antarctica was flooded or not. Does this make sense to you? Everybody they knew was dead. The, all the humanities they knew it was wiped off the earth. Uh, and that's not what the story is about anyway. It's not about science. It's about our relationship with God. That's what that story was told for. Who was God? Who are we? What's the relationship there? So if you stepped away or you know somebody who stepped away from the Bible because of one thing they read somewhere in the Bible, you probably don't have to worry about it. Our founder, John Wesley, talked about the resurrection. Jesus Christ, dead, buried, raised from the dead. That we must agree on. Beyond that, we think and let think. There are lots of things we can disagree on and still be warm Christian friends and follow Jesus. But more and more, particularly with millennials, I hear this. I just don't know that I can believe in a God when the world is the way the world is today. When I see the inhumanity that happens, when I see um, hundreds and thousands of people killed, either because of natural disasters, hurricanes, earthquakes, starvation, uh, droughts in places like Africa, and how could a good and loving God allow a world like this? And of course, you don't have to look very far in history to have very serious questions about this. How could the God of the Jews... And then the God of all the world and Jesus allow the Holocaust. Very real, difficult, terrible 
questions of faith. Now, let me just let us off the hook here. We're not going to solve the Holocaust in the next 20 minutes. We're not doing that. But I do want to lift up some things for us to think about in a general way. And, and even, even this injustice, I would say, none of these have anything to do with Jesus himself or Christianity. And all you have to do, of course, is look at the cross. If you want to think that, that there has to be justice for us to follow Jesus, then you don't understand Jesus. There's nothing just about what happened to Jesus. It was the most cruel, unjust thing that could happen to anyone. And he lived a perfect life. He was completely innocent, not guilty of any of the charges before him. And yet, in the most cruel, public, and unjust way, he was crucified. And God turned that pain into our joy, into our hope, into our resurrection, into our life everlasting. Make sense? So, friends... Evil and injustice, I love the way Andy Stanley puts this. He says, evil and injustice are not arguments against God. Evil and injustice are evidence that we desperately need God. Amen? We desperately need God. Of course there's evil and injustice. That's not news. The thing is, we need a Savior. We're desperate for a Savior. We need God's help. We need God's help. But this can get twisted in our thinking. This can get twisted in the culture. And I'm going to share with you um, two of the seminary words uh, that Dr. Alexander and Andy and I uh, learned in seminary. Uh, so get ready. This is um, a triple-letter word score Scrabble word. So anthropomorphism. Say that with me. Anthropomorphism. That's not what you're expecting this morning. I'm sure of it. Anthropomorphism and theodicy. These are two huge words um, that we spent uh, months and years and really the rest of our lives wrestling with. Uh, as theologians. A theologian simply means studier of God. All of us are theologians. Now, I want to start with theodicy because it's the shorter of the two words. Okay? So theodicy is the problem of a good and all-powerful God in the midst of evil and tragedy in the world. I basically took an entire seminary course on this. You read really lifting up books like Suffering. There's actually a book called Suffering that I had to read for seminary. Suffering. Um, and it's, it's difficult. And so the argument basically goes like this. If God is good, God would, right? There's something bad, God would take care of it. If God could, God would. And really what we're talking about is the goodness of God and the omnipotence of God. Is God all-powerful or not? So if God is good, God would. If God could, God would. And this is how people argue that. Well, friends, first of all, there's an entire line of thought um, that starts as early as Genesis. And that is... Have you ever thought about this? That God can self-limit God's self for the betterment of humanity. If God chooses, God can choose to self-limit God's own self. And so when God was walking in the garden, and he says, Adam and Eve, where are you? Was God lying? Because he knew where they were? Or did God really not know? Because God chose to know so that humanity could hide from him if they chose. We're not answering that one either. I'm just throwing it out there for you. Okay? That'll blow your mind. Right? Can God self-limit God's own self? I, I think God can. Because God's all-powerful. So the argument, if God is good, God would. If God could, God would. Now, this is a problem because we're not God. We are limited as human beings. We are limited as mortals. Friends, Christians have never made an argument for God's existence based on a world where bad things never happen to good people. That's never been our story. I mean, 
Really, Christians have never made an argument for God's existence based on a world where bad things never happen to good people. And if we want to get honest about this, this argument really only happens in first world countries. You go to places that are starving, that desperately need a savior, they're not making this argument. They know God's with them. It's the only way they're surviving. You talk to the refugees that I met a few years ago. As they leave Syria, they know Jesus. When they get to the islands in Greece, they're telling Christian workers there, oh, we know Jesus. We've been Muslim all our life, but we know Jesus. He's the one that led us. When we prayed to God, oh, God, show us which path to take where the bombs are not falling. It was Jesus that showed up to us in our dreams. And Jesus said, go this way. You see, this is, this is a rich person, ease of life issue. The people who are really struggling, the people who are fighting for their lives, this isn't their issue, friends. We need to understand this. If the Christian God could have been argued out of existence due to pain and suffering, Christianity would have never made it out of the first century or the second century or the third century. Yet that was when it grew the strongest, the fastest, the most. This is a first world question, friends. It's something that we have a luxury of asking in our air-conditioned homes. The people who desperately need the Lord are finding him as they seek him. The problem with the Odyssey. The other word, say it with me, anthropomorphism is something where there's an attribution of human characteristics or behaviors to god or a god little g or an animal many of us do that uh, or an object now before we get a whole bunch of emails that my cat really does have feelings um you know here's the thing have you have you ever i, I don't know but you may remember the big fat in the back tvs and, and they would start to go out. And, and they would always go out like when your team was about to score. Or they would go out when the tornado's coming. And, 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 and just at that right moment, like you would like bang it on the side. And it would come back. You're like, yeah, I told you, you TV. As if you and the TV had a relationship. Right? I've had a relationship with a copier. I, I, I named her. Anyway. Um, so so you, know, you see what I'm saying? When you give human attributes... To objects, human attributes, to animals. Uh, veterinarians deal with this a lot, you know. Um, human characteristics to God. Now, this is a problem because the scripture, uh, even our most ancient scripture, part of the Torah, right? Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. This is what Numbers said God is not a human being, that he should lie. God's not a human being, not like us, or a mortal, that he should change his mind. God has promised, and will he not do it? Has he spoken, will he not fulfill it? God's not a human. He's not like us. He's better than us. The answer, in the King James, maybe you learned it this way, as I did as a child, God is not a man that he should lie, neither the son of man that he should repent. Now, son of man is a name that Jesus used for himself. Okay? Jesus, perfect in every way, no need to repent. He's already with God, follows God perfectly. He doesn't need to turn around. God is perfect. God is not making mistakes. God isn't up in heaven going, wow, I didn't see that coming. I mean, really, you need to understand this. God's not up in heaven going, ooh, I'm really worried about this. God is God. So what do we need to know about God? Who is God really? Well, according to Jesus, who walked the earth and raised from the dead, the only person uh, we know to have done that and to stay alive forevermore, he says, if you know me, you know me, Jesus speaking here, you will know my father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Now, Philip says what we would all say. What? No, you, you can't say that. God is God. Mortals are mortals. There, there's no crossover between the two. 
right? And, and so Philip says, no, 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 Jesus, Lord, show us the Father and we'll be satisfied. And Jesus says, Philip, come on. Have I been with you all this time and you still don't know me? Say this with me. Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. If you want to know what God is like, look at Jesus. And so Jesus said, what, what do you mean? How can you say, show us the Father? Jesus said very clearly, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. You want to know what God is like? Look at Jesus. Look at the person of Jesus. And then he goes on to, to make the point even stronger. He says, believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. And then he says this, which is important. And if you don't, I'm not asking you to have faith in your faith. I'm not asking you to check your brains at the door. He says, look it. At least believe on the evidence of the work themselves. Now, at another point in time in Scripture, the followers of John ask. They, they, they send a message to Jesus and they say, hey, we want to know. Is Jesus the Messiah or is it somebody else? Are we supposed to keep waiting? And what does Jesus say to them? He says, listen, you tell, you tell John and all his followers, the deaf hear, the blind see, the lame walk. What do you think? He's like, you don't have to just believe. Look, look at the evidence of what's going on around you. The Father and I are one. I'm doing the things that only God can do. So you want to know what God sounds like? Listen to Jesus. Listen to Jesus. Turn the other cheek. Now, most of the people I meet that are upset with God is because they think God's mad at them. God's not mad at you. Jesus is the one that says to forgive 70 times 7, which is not 490, friends. It's a metaphor for, you know, lots and lots and lots forever. Okay? You want to know what God is up to? Watch Jesus. We have a God who comes from heaven to earth, who washes feet, who sits and eats with sinners, who touches lepers, who changes lives of prostitutes and, and gets them on the right track again. This is who our God is. Not separate and away and harsh and mean and judging, but in as close as our own breath with the Holy Spirit. And this is what Jesus says about God. He says, God is spirit. God is spirit. Not a mortal, but a spirit. John 4, he says this, God is spirit and his worshipers must worship in the spirit and in truth. This is what Jesus says about himself and about God, that he's spirit. Now at this point, some of you uh, mathematicians may be saying, okay, so is, is God a third Jesus, a third Holy Spirit, and a third Father? No. The tradition of the church, which gives us the Bible, has argued all along and said God is, Jesus is fully God and fully human. 100% human, 100% God. Less than that in either way will not work. Because if Jesus is less than God up there, he cannot save us. If Jesus is less than human up there, he's just messing with us. Right? He's not playing games with us. I mean, it's real suffering. It's real death. It's real hardship. It's real injustice. And then, other than spirit, and this is important too, for the, for the scientific folks, what we want to look at, if you want to look at things like first cause, God as spirit, before anything was, God was. Spirit. Important. First cause. Okay? So you have spirit, and then Jesus says this, God is Father. Now again, lots of folks that struggle with this. If you had a less than stellar father, this can be super hard. 
if you didn't have a father at all that you've ever known, certainly not one that's loving, this can be super hard. But I, I, want, I want to make some distinctions here very, very quickly, but hopefully clearly. Jesus said to them when they were talking about praying, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, lifted up your name, your kingdom come. This is what Jesus said. But I want to submit to you, it had nothing to do with his mortality. It had to do with relationship. And we really struggle with what it is to have a good, loving, perfect father in heaven when our fathers look like this. Maybe you've done this. and that's dead all right so let's let's make this really clear god is not male say it with me god is not male he's none of those guys right god is spirit god is father well what does he mean by that spirit personal relational perfect and in that culture at that time it was an important metaphor very very important that people understood god as father because only father had the power to do what needed to be done mother did not in that culture at that time mother was property in that culture at that time jesus couldn't say god is mother and have it carry the same weight in that culture at that time does it make sense okay so for Jesus, he's not talking about God as male. He's talking about God as spirit, as personal, as relational, as perfect. And this was mind-blowing to people because they thought God resided in the temple. They thought God could be mean and vengeful and judging. This is the temple in the center of Jerusalem, in the center of the faith of the chosen people, the, the chosen country, and they would tie a huge rope around the priest, around his ankle, so that when he went into the Holy of Holies, um, not, not out here, this is where other people could hang out, not even in here, and not even out here, but all the way in the back, you could go see the very presence of God if you were the priest. But if you were not perfect in front of God, if you hadn't repented the way you were supposed to repent and do the right things before God, they expected you to be dead because you could not stand in the presence of God and live to tell about it. And so they would tie a rope around your leg so that when you died in the presence of God, they could pull you out and send a new priest in, see if maybe he could make it. That's the God they believed in. That's the God they understood. And we have to wrestle that it is that same God who comes in the person of Jesus Christ. What do we do with that? Jesus says, I've come to fulfill the law, not to abolish it. And Jesus begins to change in a dr the most dramatic of ways. He says, God is not so much like that, although God is like that. There are parts of God like that. But the God that Jesus wants us to know, his father, looks like this. God is holding your hand. God is there for you. God is ready to love you like a loving father, powerful enough to pick you up and hold you close and to get you through. And in case we missed even that most intimate Abba, Daddy, Father, closeness. I mean, really, in, in the English language, Father is not, not the right translation for us. It really is Daddy or Dad or Papa. It is very intimate. I, don't, I mean, Any of you all still walk into and you're like, hello, Father. 
And that's not my experience. Maybe some of you do. I'm not against it, but that's just not, that's not what we do. Most of us are like, hey, Dad. Hey, Daddy. Hey, Papa. You know. This is, this is what Jesus is talking about. And in case we missed even that, he says this. God is love. Say that with me. God is love. And he says, and you'll know this by how we love one another. God is love. So in 1 John, he says this. And so we know and rely on the love of God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. And so our action step, friends, uh, for this week. is I, I, For those of you who have never done this, I want to encourage you uh, before your head hits the pillow tonight. It could be this afternoon, be right after church. I want you to pray tonight using Abba or Dad or Daddy or Papa or Father. Um, many of you all know um, that, that I watch Saturday Night Live from time to time. Um, and so the other, the other night, uh, Gal Gadot, who plays Wonder Woman, was doing the open, and she did a part of it in Hebrew, and she was saying hello, and she used the word Abba. I, I want you to, she was like, hey, Abba. And I, I want you to see the, the intimacy there, that even today in the Hebrew culture, Abba is the word they use for daddy, for dad. It was close relationship. I want to invite you tonight, um, before you go to sleep, to just try this out. Be brave. And maybe you've had a terrible relationship with a father or no father at all. But God is ready to hold you, to help you, to love you. And I, and I just invite you to say, um, hey, Abba, hey, Dad, hey, Daddy. Just thought I'd do this for Pastor Mark. Feels kind of weird, but hey, just wanted to say hi. Let's see what happens. Let's see what happens. And my prayer for you is that you'll have a sense of his closeness, of his love for you. It is deep and abiding love for you. As deep as Jesus on the cross for all humanity. And then secondly, uh, as the Spirit leads you, read one of the Gospels or part of it. Uh, you can read the entire Gospel of Mark in about 40 minutes. It's only 16 chapters long. Read a little Matthew or Mark or Luke or John and ask yourself, what can I learn about the Father from the Son? When I look at Jesus, when I look at the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 6, and 7, what does Jesus say there? What does that teach me about God? Who is God really? And is that the God I wrestle with? Or do I simply wrestle with a God that looks like me? Or a God who rules the world the way I would do it? Well, friends, good news, we don't have to follow that God anyway. We follow the God of Jesus. Amen?